Welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. This is the AccuSprout Podcast, and I'm your host, Stacey Whitcomb. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm not going to lie, I hate. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh gosh! But I recently posted on Facebook to um, a bunch of acupuncture Facebook groups. If I could ma- wave a magic wand and make your biggest career challenge go away, what would that be right now? And besides, obviously, being in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> um, the number one resounding pain that acupuncturists feel is dealing with insurance. I think it's really hard as a new practitioner to decide if you want to take insurance or not. Or maybe it's, I don't know, gosh, it was for me. But a lot of people just decide that that's what they're going to do out of the gate anyway. And I think it's great. You really need to take a class and learn the codes and learn how to um, chart properly so that you get paid. You need to really understand how it works. You also, as you'll see in this discussion, um, you need to belong to your state organization and understand the political process that is underlying the whole insurance business and how it is that we as practitioners um, can step forward and have a voice with regards to how much we get paid. I'm bringing you this podcast today because I want to highlight the class that I took because I feel like it was probably just freaking the best class. And I want you guys to know about it. Um, My guest has a lot of opinions and a lot of information to share, and she comes in quite 2.0. So the first half is pretty intense as Maury covers some of the most recent hot topics with regards to billing codes. And then the second half is a little more geared towards the newer practitioners and some of the things that you need to be aware of so that your license is not at risk. And a couple other rookie pieces of information that you guys are going to benefit from knowing. So stick with it. It's a great podcast. I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, I'm introducing my next guest, Maury West. Welcome to the show, Maury. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, I'll start with the basics. I own an acupuncture billing company called AccuClaims, and together with my team, we submit and get paid for over 10,000 claims a month. I actually started out my career doing chiropractic billing. And I'm married to a chiropractor, and he is is very much aligned with what acupuncturists do. And so, when the first wave of acupuncturists came out of school in California, he we got a good one, and I did the billing for both the acupuncturist and my husband, the chiropractor. Uh, we went on to have other chiropractors, and we developed a very great clinic that was big. And and I learned a lot. And I started answering questions for years to other billers and other offices, acupuncture offices and chiropractor offices as well. And I, I gave a lot of stuff away for a long time, just making sure that people had a good understanding of what I did. I was lucky enough to be in California, which was where the first great acupuncture insurance benefits came from. So because of just where I was positioned at just the perfect time, I was able to get a lot of experience. And then after doing that for over 20 years, I decided to start my own insurance billing company for acupuncturists. And that was a little over 10 years ago. It's actually in 2007, so 13 years ago. And like I said, today I have a team of reps that work with me and we are nationwide. I then started volunteering 
for uh, different state associations and worked my way up to become the on the board of the National Association, the AAAOM, back in, that was like 2010. Uh, I was their insurance chair and I helped write some position papers that were adopted by United Healthcare. And today I am very proud to be the insurance chairman for the American Society of Acupuncturists, the National Association. And together with my team, we're uh, writing position papers and reaching out to carriers to make sure that they know that the ASA is there for them uh, should they have any questions regarding the practice of acupuncture and how, how it's done and how, how they should pay for it. So I do that. And I also uh, started doing seminars for acupuncturists under my Maury West Seminars division. And I, I am, am proud to say that I work exclusively for state associations. So I work together to put together programs that help bring in some money for the association and disseminate correct real world information. Because a lot of information out there, people are getting it from social media. And I feel like let, let's make sure that they have the uh, the correct information. I'm also a certified professional coder with the American Academy of Professional Coding, and I am a member of the American Medical Billing Association. And believe it or not, a lowly acupuncture biller in 2010 was named Member of the Year of the American Medical Billing Association. So I eventually started teaching their members. I was a guest speaker at their last convention teaching acupuncture billing. So that's my area of expertise. I'm considered a subject matter expert in a very small <laughs> subject, which is acupuncture billing. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> Thank you for doing all of that. Is so much. And this is why um, I asked you to be on the podcast because... Um, I don't think that enough acupuncturists realize how woven into the fabric of our future and our current state, our ability to bill insurance, and not only that, what it looks like right now, but where it's going to go is actually hinged on you and a lot of the things that you're doing to help us. And so I'm really excited to have you here today and talk about this. We're going to have the perspective really of that we're, that my audience doesn't Actually, I mean, I know you guys probably know a lot, um, and I'm sure a lot of acupuncturists are going to be listening who do bill, um, but we're going to go very basic as if I just graduated Excellent. from that perspective so that we can just bring everybody up to speed. So you just talked a little bit about something that I actually want to go back and touch on. You're the insurance chairman for the American Society of Acupuncturists. Tell me a little bit about that board and about oh. what the American Society for Acupuncturists does. Yes, I would love to tell you about them because I, it is my privilege to volunteer for that association. And basically, it's a coalition of all the different state associations. So as, as an acupuncturist, you, you're you're concerned about local issues, scope of practice, think your licensing, continuing ed, and that's all happens typically at the state. And then then you have the national issues that also affect you because the majority of of laws are you know federal laws are going to affect the whole nation. So it's a coalition of all the state associations. So the minute you're a member of it, your your own state association. And that association is a member of ASA, which most of them are, almost all of them are. You're connected 
at two levels. And so what the ASA did, we never had a strong presence. Prior to that, the other national association was the AAAOM, but they were never able to, they never became a coalition. They were independent, national. They were trying to coalesce with all the states. They never quite made it. So ASA made that happen about five years ago, I believe, three, four or five, four or five years ago. And what they did is they said, you know, we'll handle the national things. We'll help provide benefits at the state level. And so they meet once a year. They had they had a conference last year. This year they didn't because of COVID. And I was able to speak at that conference as well. But one of the things that they did, and I'm really proud to say, is because of the ASA, uh, acupuncturists now have a seat at the AMA CPT code meetings. See, what people don't know is that CPT codes, which are the procedures that you do, current procedural terminology, that's actually owned by the American Medical Association, the AMA. And if you really want to affect change and promote the pra- your practice, you have to be represented there. And no acupuncture group was ever represented. They either hadn't been around long enough or they, they, they didn't represent enough people. And so this year, um, I'm looking at my calendar, I believe it was January or February, you know, with COVID, it's all kind of a blur. <laughs> I was able to, I filled out the application. I was able to represent acupuncturists at the first AMA uh, meeting where they recognized the ASA and said, you are the official representative here at these meetings. I then handpicked two people that are on my insurance committee to be the reps because the true reps, once we got in, the reps have to be licensed acupuncturists. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so we have two great reps that will now be representing acupuncturists officially at the AMA CPT code meetings, which is really exciting. Other things that the group does, is they, they work uh, closely with the states to disseminate information, do surveys to find out what is the pulse of the population, things like that. Can I back up real quick and ask you a question? Sure, sure. How did that go? How did, how did it go? How did the AMA feel about having acupuncturists there? Or well, was they were, it just they were fine with it. The sad part is there you know there's been athletic trainers that are yeah, on, well, yeah. on the board and we we're actually in, on a slightly different board because we're holistic providers so we're on a, the the holistic uh, com- committee which is like that's where the podiatrists, the psychiatrist, the PTs, the chiropractors we were welcomed with open arms. Uh they were happy to have us be part Oh, the, the committee. Yeah. Great. They were probably like, well, it's about time. Where have you guys been? You finally got your act together, guys. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, go ahead. Continue because this is really, I mean, I've been out for a couple of years and it's, it's. I'm not going to say it's all new, but it's it's not something that I've like listened to over, sure. you know, I need to know sure. more too. Sure. So one of the first things that, so we got a seat on the table, but what had happened prior to that is I had been attending the meetings because all anybody, any member of the public can attend the meetings and as it had others from the ASA. And we knew that the PTs and the Kairos were going to put up a dry needling code. We just knew it was going to happen. I was never concerned about dry needling because I, when people would say, oh, it's coming into this particular state or that particular state, I'd say, don't worry about it. They don't have a code. They can't build insurance. They can't get paid for it. Well, then they said they're going to put up a dry needling code. So we countered with a trigger point acupuncture code. And then we got together in a room with the Kairos and the, and the Kairos were big. 
in, in that arena. It wasn't just the PTs. The Kairos and the, and the PTs were aligned together. That was a little nervous at times because they were very, they weren't quite as excited to see us. <laughs> so, so because, you know, they thought that they would be a dry needling code, boom, it would go in. Instead, we countered right. with a trigger point. Now they got to talk to us. Right. Uh, Can I stop you for a second? Sure, sure. If a chiropractor and the PTs get the code, does that mean that acupuncturists don't get the code? We don't know what would have happened if we hadn't made it a combined code. So by okay. making it a combined code, we can all use it. Mm-hmm. And they they said, oh, you'll be able to use it too. But we couldn't trust that would happen. It may or may not have happened. So we decided we're going to call it trigger point acupuncture. We're going to be part of the process. And in fact, we were. And in fact, they came out with the codes on Two zero five nine zero, I believe, and two zero five nine one. I don't have them memorized. And these codes were accepted, and they will they were released. Now the problem is, they didn't include the words "no needle retention." There, they did. It was kind of weird. They didn't put it under physical medicine. That part of the CPT code book where acupuncture is found and chiropractic. They did or didn't? They did not. They okay. ended up putting it under the surgery section, kind of under. The two series is kind of where injections and things like that go. So basically it said needle insertion, no injection, but they left out the words no retention or without retention. And then what happened is we started to find Blue Cross policies that would state they, they would say, basically, we think uh, dry needling is experimental. In other words, they're not going to pay for it. But they go on to describe dry needling and say, and the needle will be retained for as long as 30 minutes. And I'm looking at these policies going, what? That's not, that's not trigger point acupuncture. That's not dry needling. That's acupuncture. So this week, actually, October 1st through the 3rd, the ASA is going back with a code change application because that's the that's the next AMA CPT code meeting, and we're asking that the words "without retention" be put in the code. You never know what's going to happen. It's a secret vote that comes out approximately six weeks later. The PTs have stated that they don't think it's necessary, so they don't support our code change application. But 11 of the 15 members on the, we call it the HICPAC committee, that's the alternative provider uh, types, all support the code change. So we just have to wait and see. And then we've got some other code changes in the works down the line that we'd like to 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 you know put out there. So we'll find out. We'll find out if we get that added. So let me back up a second and let me just make sure I understand why why we don't want it to say that it's that they're going to retain it because if they re- if you retain the needle that's considered ac- or they're, they're practicing that. yes they're practicing acupuncture. Acupuncture. And, and, and by proxy then they would actually be then potentially down the line allowed to practice acupuncture you got if they it. decided to start tweaking the wording again you got again. it exactly and, okay. and and it was all so clear when we were at the meetings that. They they even told the PTs a couple of times, hey, beware of what you're saying because you're 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 discussing, you're uh, expressing what is acupuncture, and we already have codes for that. And so, yeah, so this is really important. I think it's going to go through, but we just have to wait and see. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <And there's, laughs> see, this is what 
you, the average acupuncturist doesn't know what's going on behind the scenes. No, that's why you're here. That's yeah. why we're doing this podcast. And and, and, you have a microphone right now, so just tell us. And, and, and what I want them to know is you don't have to know everything we're doing, but join your state association mm-hmm. because you're supporting this work and complaining. Like people, I say, oh, you know, the insurance just wants to, you know, they just, they want to, they don't want to pay us what we're worth. Well, be part of it. Understand it. Complaining isn't going to get you anywhere. And then the misinformation that comes out because of complaining. For example, people tend to think that the ASA had something to do with the new acupuncture policy that came out on January 21st, 2020. And what happened on January 21st was out of, well, it wasn't necessarily out of the blue for people that were following it, but CMS, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, announced that they would now cover acupuncture for chronic low back pain. And they did it because the prior to, the prior year, um, in 2000. 19, they had sent out two two month periods where they requested comments from interested parties about whether Medicare should cover acupuncture and for low back pain. They got over did, 12. I'm sorry. Who, who did they send that to? People who were on Medicare and Medicaid? Actually, they don't send it to anybody. They just put it out as an event. <laughs> and now <laughs> they put in a, it in a corner article somewhere. <laughs> well, it's on their website and people oh. in the know. See, that's part of the reason why I belong to two different associations that support my profession, the American mm-hmm. Academy of Professional Coders and the Medical uh, Billing American Medical Billing Association. So w- when CMS sends a request for comments, we know about it right away. And the ASA knew about it right away, but the general public may not be as attuned. We brought it out. We told people to write comments. All the state associations knew about it and they could disseminate it down the line to their members and say, you know, write comments. Some of the comments came from MDs who said acupuncture is a quackery, but in other Mm -hmm. cases, it came from patients who said, I'm a Medicare patient. I, I would love to have Medicare cover acupuncture. I'm paying out of pocket right now. Now, another reason that they did it, and it's a big reason, it's it's going on across the country, is the opioid crisis. Right, right. We, don't, don't we have precedents anyway? Because didn't Oregon, that code was accepted in Oregon when I was in school, and I was in school in 2017, 2000. I graduated in 2017, and I thought mean? that. Well, I thought that Medicare and Medicaid paid in Oregon. Oh, Medicaid might. Oh, and Medicaid, okay. Yeah, Medicaid in various states pay has has paid for acupuncture. A lot of states mm-hmm. doesn't pay very well. No, no, no. But it pays. So that was like a, a yes. saying. It was like a, a segue, right? Yes, yes. So Medicaid. That's those are state more state specific. Medicare mm-hmm. is national and and covers many more lives than state Medicaid. So yes, in Oregon and California and various states, Medicaid is covers. And in fact, there's a whole task force right now at the ASA, and they're determining what states have it, how much are allowed, and they're working on that end to try to build up understanding of that. So yep. that's exciting. Yes. So anyways, this came out of left field. They asked for comments. They announced it in a big way, but they didn't think it through. They didn't I, I'm I'm almost shocked the way that Medicare did this. And and when I talk about CMS, CMS is the governing body 
for the Medicare benefits. So CMS released this policy just out of the blue and basically said that we will now cover for up to 20 visits for chronic low back pain. However, they knew that acupuncturists couldn't get into Medicare. So what they had to do was they had to write the policy in a way that says that acupuncturists have to be supervised by an MD that uh, is enrolled in Medicare, right? Okay, so so a lot of people then said, well, we shouldn't have to be supervised. You know, we're independent and, and yeah, but you're not in Medicare. So somebody's got to, somebody that can bill for it has to be in Medicare. So I think it was kind of a backhanded compliment by requiring supervision because they wanted you guys so badly that first off, they stated specifically must be from an ACOM accredited school and must um, be licensed in their state. There are like 32 states where chiropractors who are already in Medicare can do acupuncture with as little as no training at all in Illinois, 300 hours in Florida and other places. So they could have taken the medicine and said, you know, current providers that can practice acupuncture under their scope of their license in their state. Well, they didn't do that. They wanted you guys. They wanted true licensed acupuncturists. So they had to do the supervision requirement to get the payment, you know, to be able to pay for it. And then I believe the next step and, and the ASA put out a survey is, does the majority of acupuncturists really want to be in Medicare? And the survey, oh, I saw this. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the survey results were, in, were suggested that yes, they do. So we're going to move forward. It's a slow process. It'll mm-hmm. be years because it takes an act of Congress. They actually have to change the the law and include us as providers. So it's not going to happen overnight, but clearly it's, there's an indication that you're wanted on a big way just because of what happened. Now, when they did that, they really, they messed with the VA's community care program because the VA's community care program states, we will pay for anything, uh, any med- we pay Medicare rates for any Medicare service. So because Medicare didn't cover acupuncture in the past, they paid what they call VA rates, which, which are much higher and are very generous. And, and now that Medicare has come out with their rates, they're saying, we're not going to pay those rates anymore. We have to pay the Medicare allowed amounts, which upset a lot of people. There was a lot of finger pointing like the ASA did. We had nothing to do with it. CMS did all of that we're stuck with what we've got now and we're working with it, but that was kind of a casualty in this very mm-hmm. quickly cobbled together way to get right. acupuncturists treating Medicare patients. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, amazing and- how it's amazing how, I don't know. It's amazing how the network works or, you know, like how it's, it has a cascade effect because then that's going to affect the veterans a little bit. Oh, oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. There's people, well, there were people that ended up becoming a hundred percent, VA. Yeah. And, oh, and I the, know. Yeah. Yeah. In the Midwest, there were swaths of areas that had no experience taking insurance. Now, all of a sudden, they got all this VA. They're hiring new grads to come and help treat the patients. Mm-hmm. And now the rates have, in some cases, yeah. dropped to half of what they were normally getting. Um, and I just have to remind people that 
every other profession have been getting Medicare rates in that program since inception. Right. So, so instead you of were looking, just lucky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> instead of true. saying, you know, instead of saying, wow, they're really trying to screw us. You should say, yeah. well, we, we, be glad yeah. it happened. Yeah. And we had the gravy train for a while yeah. and we, sh- and now we're going to have to do things slightly different. Yeah. And, and if they're going to go against the VA, they're not going to have any allies because then no other medical profession is, is going to want um, another profession to get paid another ser- set of rates. That's much more, you know, it's better reimbursement than the VA rates. So, cause right. there's talk about a, a lawsuit and all that sort of stuff. But there's, that brings up other issues with the VA because the VA is never the VA community care program. And that's what I'm referring to as the program where they send patients out into the community for treatment. That program has, has been uh, messy for a long time. See, the VA doesn't handle the actual benefits themselves. They contract out to contractors. So they kind of split the country up. And prior to the new uh, Mission Act that made this new community care network, we had a different network called the PC3 network. It's basically exactly the same thing. But the contractors were HealthNet Federal Services and TriWest. So HealthNet Federal Services got the East Coast, TriWest got the West Coast, and they were both equally terrible (laughs) at reimbursement. Yeah. And and uh, they were so bad that HealthNet lost the contract. Optum picked it up. Optum now has regions one, two, and three. And TriWest is clinging tightly to region four. Well, TriWest decided that, and they're both, both TriWest and HealthNet Federal Services have been audited by the federal government and found to owe millions of dollars in improperly processed claims. So TriWest then went back and started messing around and they, they picked the date. They started processing claims for the Medicare rates effective January 1st, but the Medicare rates didn't come out till January 21st. Now this is another thing that CMS did. Remember I told you January 21st, CMS announced the, that the new policy didn't announce the rates, didn't get around to announcing the rates until April. So, so I, the ASA insurance committee got confirmation. What date should the contractors be using for the new rates? Mm -hmm. And, and CMS said January 24th. Don't know why, but January 24th is that date. So Optum is using January 24th. All dates of service from January 24th forward will be processed under the new rates. However, TriWest has decided to use April 1st. So go figure that out. I know. <laughs> they're also Just doing put a- those checks into your savings accounts, you guys. Don't, well, don't now they're don't trying touch to them. they're now they're trying to recoup money off of future. Mm-hmm. And so I mean we're I have a conference call today with my insurance committee and we're drafting another letter um about this and some other issues. So, you know, yeah. gotta stay tuned till we find out how it all plays out. All right. So so for new practitioners, um, <laughs> we've just gone over their heads. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, that was that first half of this podcast was definitely for people who've been around, but that, it was yeah. great because, and I may actually, this was a really good idea. I may have you on in the future because sounds like there are some things that you need to clarify and this may be a really good platform for, for that to happen. So yes, I- we may do something like this in the future for, for people who are billing insurance. And I have to back up just a quick, a quick second. I was trying to reach out to 
because this podcast is new, I don't have a huge followership yet. The new practitioners aren't really cottoning. They don't really know I'm here yet. Uh-huh. And so I was on Facebook trying to like, what do you guys need help with? What is it? Yes. And so I posted, I posted on Facebook and a bunch of acupuncturist pages, just an open ended question. Like if there was something, if I could wave a magic wand and make your biggest career challenge go away right now, what would it be? Besides COVID, it's actually insurance and student loans. If you're taking insurance, you need to know and be involved in your state. Um, association. You need to know what's going on. And we all need to communicate a little better. Because if it's going to be so awful for you guys to take insurance, if you're going to take it on, it's a program that yes. you have to continually figure out and it's going to change. And we just need to communicate a little bit better so yes. that we can have a voice in the change. Yes, I, I, I totally agree with you. And to, to, for for new students just coming out of school, I'm going to tell you that the options of them getting picked up and become an employee of a well-run office is, might be there. They're not going to, they're not, hospitals aren't getting you in droves. Anybody that works for a hospital is working under a a grant. So I, I feel that they don't get enough education in, in how to run a private practice but they don't have the opportunities for employment that other provider types do. And if you just look at MDs as an example, 20, 25 years ago, most MDs that weren't, you know, surgeons and things had their own private practices. And now they're all being picked up by, by groups, medical groups, IPAs, independent practice associations and things where they, they come together, but that your, your, your profession isn't there yet. The other thing that I see that's uh, not in the best interest, but it's just a a fact of life, is the education. You don't get a good education. Your business classes are minimal at best, and it depends on the school. One school might say, I know there's schools like in Arizona or New Mexico, say, don't take insurance. Well, that might have worked. (laughs) That might have worked 20 years ago. But when the federal government offers mailmen 24 visits a calendar year, it doesn't matter where you are. There's people with insurance. There's pockets, urban pockets that have a lot greater insurance opportunities. But look what happened with the VA. The minute there was opportunities for insurance, a lot of people that had never taken it before jumped on. But they don't get a good education in school. It's not, it's not a focus. And when I talk to people about that, they say, well, you know, there just isn't the time in those 3,000 plus hours. Yeah, and that's what happens. Like you're, yeah. you're, you, you don't listen because you're tired and your, yes, your, yes. your energy has to go over here to memorize 365 herbs and 16,000. Exa- and I know that. Either. Yeah, yeah. You don't listen. I mean, never, it's there, but it's oh, not well, that it's great. there. But I guess mm-hmm. lecture at all the local schools. And when I go into a town, like I was recently in, Philadelphia. So I went to the WAN, which is the local acupuncture school there. And I, I'll guest lecture and teach one of their classes. But And I do PCOM down in San Diego and around here. There's mm-hmm. no good time. If you're too new, you can't no. imagine you're going to mm-hmm. be in practice. And if it's too far down in the curriculum, you're just hoping to pass the boards. So, so, mm-hmm. then, so then, honestly, if that's the case, then the schools ought to develop programs after license programs. Where they, I mean, I think they they owe it. Chiropractors in my state in California, they get twice as much education in that arena, and their CEUs allow for twice as much or more 
CEU coverage. It, in California, you can only use five units out of your 50 every two years towards uh, insurance billing, which is kind of insane. So people don't take enough of the classes because they don't get, you know, they're, they're already stretched tight trying to pay their student loans. And mm-hmm. now you're saying, hey, you really want to be successful? Throw some more money down and take these classes. Now you're not going to get CEUs for them. So it's, the whole mm. thing is kind of not built in the favor of the acupuncturist. And so some things need to change. Well, that's why I started this podcast because there's, there's huge gaps. And when I was much younger, 20, 25 years ago, I managed chiropractor's office as well oh. and did his billing, but that was even before we even went electronic. I mean, that was all paper. Sure. And, and then, and then I, I was a massage therapist for 20 plus years. Oh. And so I didn't, ha- I didn't have to, but then I got out of school and the first year out, I really floundered. Because business has changed in 25 years. Like my, my massage practice, I, I had up and running within six weeks. Like it was a piece of cake to get that going. But for some reason, this business was brutal and there's no support and there's, you yes. know, there's nobody to talk to and you're on your own and it's, you don't know what to do first or where to go. And, and you did have the business classes, but for some reason they weren't like, you, I don't know. We need a step-by-step deal. Like it needs to be a better plan. So this is why I started this podcast. And this is why I'm bringing on people like you, because I just want all of us to succeed. I want all of us to have the type of income that we deserve for the level of education that we have. Yes, And we're going to have to create that. Yes, So it's it's not going to be handed to you. No, it's not going to be handed to you. And, and it, it, and it does take a community effort. So, yeah. And my, my feeling is like, should you come out of school and take insurance? And I would say, yeah, I would say that you're making it almost harder on yourself when you're first coming out of school and you're setting up a practice, because what you want to do when you're first opening those doors up is you want to say yes to as many people as you can. And if you don't take insurance because you don't understand it, you're going to say, no, I don't take insurance well, they're going to go to someone who takes insurance, who, who I tell people all the time, they might not be as great a healer as you are, but they're already promising the patient something. We'll take your insurance. So in the beginning, you have to kind of build in the fact that if you really want to hit the ground running, you should probably take as many insurances as you can. That's just the way it is. And then as you get busy and built up, then you could, you could take a closer look at it and make decisions with your practice. Once you filled up the room, make decisions in your practice on which insurance is the best fit for your practice and which insurance you should stay out of network with. You could still take anybody as a, as a licensed acupuncturist, any, any person that has a PPO plan has in and out of network benefits. But initially you, you really want to try to say yes to any new patient that comes through the door. First of all, it's going to give you tons of experience and opportunities but that means you have to have a very good understanding of what you say when you say, I'm going, I'm, I accept your insurance. And that's the other thing that I see is people jump in and join all these networks without a good understanding of even what they're going to get reimbursed. Uh, can they afford to accept that? And they really should almost look at it backwards. I need to accept these so I can get people through the door. In some cases, how can I, how can I make it work when I'm only going to get reimbursed up? Uh, in California, as little as $45 for an Anthem Blue Cross plan. Now, it may be it may be that they're in an in a area where it's just so affluent that they have to say, no, I can't. 
I'll have to stay out of network. But like I said, initially you want to say yes to as many people as you can. You just, that's just how you jumpstart a practice. Correct me if I'm wrong. We don't actually know unless we ask other acupuncturists what companies pay better than others. Is that correct? Because it's different in every state and it's different in every program. Like, and so unless you take consensus of like the area that you're living in and who's taking what and what pays, you know, fairly, I'm going to say fairly and what seems a little unfair. Well, yeah, that's one way to find that out. Now, in some cases, some, some, they don't make it easy to find that out. I know. This is why I want you to talk about it. Yeah. You can't just call up and and say, you know, uh, Blue Shield, send me your your rates. I'm thinking about joining you or United. This this to me is the dumbest thing ever. Like if you're, if you are, it's sort of like selling something, right? Like they should have to list what they're going to pay. Why is it a secret? Why do they get to get away with that? Well, because it's a two-step process. First, you have to credential. And that typically is jumping through hoops and, you know, making sure you have malpractice because you have to have one, one, three million uh, malpractice coverage and they have to make sure you're a licensed provider, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then they say, okay, once we've credentialed you, we'll contract you by sending you the contract. So you've jumped through these hoops to get them to send you a contract. And so what ends up happening is you flip through the contract and you go, oh, that's all they pay. Oh, well, I guess I should join because I've jumped through all those hoops. And so in some cases, while I'm saying join as many as you can, in some cases, it might not be financially feasible to, for you to join. Now, you can ask around and people can tell you. And, and certainly when I teach, I disseminate as much information as I can without overstepping the bounds, because in some cases, they'll say directly on their fee schedules, do not disseminate. But I can give my opinions on better payers and lesser payers. And I try to do that because just because of the amount of experience, not just in terms of years I've been doing it, but just amount of claims and the fact that we're nationwide. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and I, tr- I try to disseminate that. But I can't make a decision for you to join or you not to join because that's a decision that you have to make. I, and again, that is also part of the problem because a lot of times people come out of school and they go, I, I got to find a place. So what do they do? They find another acupuncturist who's renting a room one day a week, or maybe it's Tuesday afternoons and Saturdays, not the ideal conditions, right? For mm-hmm. se- And I'm going to rent a room one day a week until I fill that up. And then I'll go to two days a week. Well, maybe some patients can't come on Tuesdays. Well, you've lost those patients. So that's the other side of the coin is sometimes the opportunities aren't as much opportunities for newly licensed practitioners. They're opportunities for existing providers to make those rooms pay. Does that make sense? Yes and no. It's, it's, I mean, I, I, I agree, but as a new practitioner, you're juggling because you don't, you don't have money. Yes. And so you sort of have to pick and choose. And so I would actually say as a new practitioner, I went in and I had an office five days a week that I paid for on my own. Now that COVID hit, I pulled out of all of that. And now I'm yeah. back in sharing somebody's office and I'm only seeing patients two days a week. Now, if it were my ideal situation, it would be like a Tuesday, Friday, so that you can see somebody twice a week because I, yes. that's something that I absolutely love to do. Yeah. So you'd have to like, so this is the lesson for you new practitioners listening. If you have to just rent two days a week, 
rent them so that they're spread out so that you can see a patient twice in one week and try to make one a morning and one an afternoon so that you are open for more people. But sometimes that's what we have to do. It's not ideal. No, it's not ideal. It is, it is where you, sometimes you just got to start where you can start. No, I agree with you. And, 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 and I was talking in an ideal world, but I think you're absolutely right. Even just giving that, instead of jumping into any opportunity, kind of yeah. take a step back. Like I had a one guy, he said, well, I have three days a week. And I said, great. I said, now you can see people three times a week if you wanted. Well, no, it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So mm, he's got yeah. three days a week, but he's only going to see him in maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I'm just saying, think about, about these opportunities and, and don't jump into the first one that comes your way because it might not be best for you. The right. other thing I will tell you is in some cases, you have to got to take responsibility for your what you, how you practice and you're jumping in and then they they some places say oh we'll do the billing for you so you get complacent and say well they must know more than i know so i'll let them do the billing or other things but that might not be the case they may not have an education that's i i mean i see this with people that rent rooms i see this with other billing companies too people say i'll hire a biller because they know what to do and it's your license on the line. So you're much better off understanding that side of business, whether you have somebody do it for you or not do it for you, it's still your license. So you still have to understand and monitor whoever is doing things on your behalf. If you guys aren't aren't paying attention, I, you need to come back to this and focus on this for a second. What she just said is really important. And I've actually caught another new practitioner that this was happening to her and she had no idea because she was employed by somebody and they were doing her billing for her. And then she left and they, they still used her number. Mm-hmm. So... How could she have prevented that from happening? First of all, all of the mail goes to them. Talk a little bit about that. What happens when you go into a practice and somebody else bills for you? What does that look like and what should a practitioner be aware of? Okay. Well, number one, you have to know billing. You pick your codes. So I see a lot of people say, well, they pick the codes for me. Your, it's your license. Your MPI number is going to go on every single claim. And if those codes have a problem down the line, like let's say, for example, insurance company has paid, maybe the, the office gets paid, but you're the provider of record and they ask for notes. If that billing doesn't match your notes, you're the one that's in trouble. You're going to get pulled in. So the first thing that if you get in a situation where they say we're willing to do the billing, that's fine. I will be providing you with the coding that represents what I did. So I'm going to back up and say this in a different way too, because this is so very important. So in other words, you guys, if you choose chief complaint as stress, right? Let's just say that they're overstressed and you put in the code for whatever that is. You probably know it, Maury. I don't know. The code for, for, you know, do due to depression or whatever, like you, even though you can't, you can't actually diagnose that. Sorry. I'm all. No, 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 you can. A patient states that's a sign or a symptom. Okay. Acceptable. Okay. So you put that in as the chief complaint, but you're working for an office and they want to get paid. They're going to put in a pain code because pain codes pay and depression doesn't. Yes. Right. And, and so you need to have your eyes on your files and what's coming back or your uh, EOBs, right? EOBs. Like, 
Yes. You need to see what's being billed and what is getting paid on the patients that you're treating, because if they're billing pain codes for depression, unless that person has headaches or backaches, as it, but if you didn't use that code, they can't do that. And it'll be yes. flagged by the insurance company anyway, probably. But that's just kind of an example. Like if they're trying to bill pain codes on something that shouldn't be billed on a pain code, that's your license. That's right. The other situation. So, so it's you, it's, they call it, they call it creative billing. Well, we have to, and you know, I, I hear people all the time that make uh, excuses for bad behavior and no biller, a reputable, reputable biller, like no one that I know and consider a colleague would even stand for anything like that. They would never, I would never say, I'll pick the codes for you. So they pick the diagnosis code and they pick a good one, right? That's going to get paid. Well, then they also pick the CPT codes, what you did. So let's say you maybe were face-to-face with a patient for 25 minutes. You should have billed out two units. They bill out three or four. And you aren't looking at that. You need to, you need to, in your contract, when you should have some type of contract, either an employment contract or if you're in a state that can do uh, independent contractors, it should all be in writing. There should be no handshake deals. You should spell out, I need access to the billing records. I'm going to keep my own set of uh, billing records as well. And I want to see the EOBs that come back. Because in all cases, it's your license. And to do anything less than that is opening yourself up for liability. And at the end of the day, you can tell an auditor, well, that's what my biller told me, or that's what this office did. They're going to say, no, your your name is on that claim. Your number is on that claim. And so there's so many things that you need to do. And if I'll tell you something else. If you leave that office, you have to make sure and notify all the carriers. Like what happened with this person was yes. they continued to bill. I, once on, once you leave a, a facility or a place of work, you need to contact every single carrier you've ever billed for and say, please disassociate myself from this tax ID. I am not working here any longer. Um, because if you don't, there's problems that happen down the line. And sometimes when the problems are really bad and they, somebody wants to hire somebody like me, I honestly, I, I I try to help them out as much as I can, but it really shows bad judgment on the part of the the person coming out of school. Like, I know you felt like these people are going to open an opportunity. Just have those checks and balances in place so you can make sure that your license is secure and your ability to make a living in the future hasn't been compromised. And I'm not saying there's bad people out there. You know, it only takes a few percentage to create these kinds of stories. So let's, let's, if you're a new practitioner and you're feeling really overwhelmed at this point, because I'm even feeling a little overwhelmed at this point, I'm not going (laughs) to lie. (laughs) There's just so much, but it's, but we're talking about the big stuff right here. I just want you guys to know that we went in pretty intense and pretty heavy with Maury clearing up some things that are happening right now. So don't be overwhelmed by that. Other than the fact that you need to join your state association in the ASA so that you can have a voice in the future. As far as where you guys need to start, this is my suggestion. This is what I did when I um, first graduated. Maury has some educational seminars that she does. And I went to, I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't intend to bill. Actually, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't intend to bill. But in knowing that I wasn't going to bill, I still knew that I needed to know the codes. Because you're still putting codes in your electronic health records, whether you're billing or not, because you're still sending out super bills with your patients that 
are collecting because you're out of network. You still need to have the right codes. And so you guys really still need to become educated on how this works, even if you are not going to bill. Because yes. you're a professional, and as a healthcare professional, you are responsible for knowing the codes. It's yes. just part of it, you guys. It's just part of it. And, it so, and we didn't it, get it. Yeah, it isn't rocket science. Basically, no. it's a slight, a uh, little bit of a different language. You take what you do. And you put it in codes that explain what you do. But you guys are really lucky. There's only four acupuncture codes. No, it uh, is. it's not. It's not difficult. I. It's I not. Can, it's not difficult. It's not. Di- I could teach you basic have- coding in an hour or, or so, yeah. just so you have an understanding. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. In fact, I teach people: um, if you don't want to jump into the water, you want to dip your toe into the water. You understand coding. So that, because what happens is people don't understand coding and they get a super bill and they say, oh, I'll give you a super bill and you can get reimbursed. Mm-hmm. Now you've made a promise to, to that patient that may or may not happen because you don't understand coding. So maybe you put the, a wrong code or you didn't check it off, right? You just didn't understand it. So I say, understand coding, start by giving super bills and then, and understand what the code represents for what you do. Then the next step would be, Instead of giving them a super bill, you say, you know what? I'll go ahead and submit this super bill for you. So you get a chance to practice submitting claims and without any other financial repercussions because you get you take the money up front. And when you submit a claim, you say, you say instead of the super bill, and then you have to put it in the mail, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to send an electronic claim out on your behalf and you will get reimbursed. Well, what that does is if it's a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan, the guy's going to get the money in 10 to 14 days and he's going to get a check back and then he's going to, your name's going to be on it. Oh, I need to see him again. It's already set the patient up for, hey, you do what you say you're going to do. You gave me a super bill that got me reimbursed. I need to go back and see you see you again because now you're doing the work for me as well. You're do, send, submitting the claims. So I highly advise people when they're going through the, this journey, start out giving super bills, then say, offer to do some claims, submitting some claims with them getting the reimbursement. And then you don't have any financial problems and kind of learn that way. And then eventually you'll, I I forgot to tell you one little step. I, I have to back up what I said to give somebody a super bill and say, here, you turn it in or I'll submit a claim and you'll get reimbursed. You have to verify their benefits. If you don't verify their benefits and you say, here's a super bill, you may or may not get paid. I don't know. That's not very encouraging. But if you say, I verified your benefits and you have you have good benefits, your deductible has been met and they say they're going to pay 80% and you explain it, but I want you to confirm this. You always get them to confirm it. So you call up and you see, you know, see, see if you get the same thing and then I'll submit a claim on your behalf for today's treatment. Now, what that does is by verifying the patient's benefits for them, first of all, you're giving something, you're giving your time. If they don't have coverage, you you can talk about your time of service discounts or what you charge for cash. They can't go anyplace else and use their benefits because they don't have any. However, it's also helping you get an understanding of your location. 
Who's got good benefits? What employer, because it's coming from employer groups for the most part. Where where are pockets of this great insurance? How maybe I need to join this plan because I've verified, you know, eight people that have the same insurance. And unfortunately, they have no out-of-network benefits. So I lost all eight of them. So I always say first start by offering to verify benefits. You get an idea of your location because it is very much location specific. It's going to be the, the large employer groups that are, are surrounding you. If you're, It just depends on where you're located. And so that gives you kind of the lay of the land and that helps you determine how much you know the reimbursement is out of network, in network, what kind of coverage they have. So you verify. You give them super bills and you can say, I'll give you a super bill. I verified your insurance. It doesn't cover acupuncture, but you can go ahead and try. Because you always want to say, if you can't say yes, try not to say no. Offer to do something for them. And then you get the lay of the land and you get comfortable with the process and you see people getting paid um, and you see how much they're getting paid and you make decisions based on that information on whether to join networks and be official about taking it. So it's baby steps. I've also found, and I've, and I've, ask this question to many people. When you don't understand insurance and you say, submit, here's your super bill, you know, send it in and they don't get reimbursed or you don't understand billing and you submit a bill that doesn't get paid, the patient's the first to know about it. The patient gets an EOB just like you do, explanation of benefits. In fact, his usually comes a day or so before you get the knowledge. And so what happens is you end up with patients to say, you know what, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to cancel that next appointment. And basically, they're afraid that you're, they're going to have to pay for out of pocket for the visit they already had, plus any others that they do in the future. So by understanding insurance, you can give them expectations that you could meet rather than expectations you can't meet. And then you find out that people drop off and it isn't because you were, they didn't like your treatment, but you said you'd take their insurance and the insurance didn't pay. And so they'll try someone else. So they're not going to come back to you and say, I'm not going to, maybe, maybe occasionally they will, but most people would take the easy way out and say, Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to hold off right now. And um, I'll get back with you. And so you start to see people drop off and it's basically because they're getting information from their insurance company that says, we're not going to pay this claim. Um, And if you'd have known that, you thought that would have been an indication. Hey, maybe I need to learn a little bit more about this insurance world (laughs) and not, it shouldn't play around at anything where it affects your, your livelihood or your income. Well, you shouldn't play around with insurance unless you really know what you're doing. Like you shouldn't hand anybody as that's, that's my whole point. Like, you shouldn't hand a super bill over unless you actually really know those codes. Yes. And even if their insurance company doesn't pay on them, you still look like a doofus if you're handing out a super bill with the wrong freaking codes, you guys. Yes. Like it's just a dumb idea. Yeah. And it is so a dumb idea. I'm going to segue a little bit again into the fact that. When I graduated, I took Maury's course, the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine. She came and taught both the beginning billing and 2.0 or what I don't know what your second round is. But I wasn't, I, I didn't have any intention of billing, but I also knew that I didn't know. And Maury's class Fullheartedly, if I ever see somebody talking about it on Facebook or anywhere else, I, I say hands down, one of the best teachers that I've ever been around. And we all know how many teachers we've sat in class behind. So excellent, excellent course. Definitely 
consider going and if you obviously we can't go anywhere, but Maury, do you have some classes that are online so practi- new practitioners can check that out? Yeah, I have a I have a complete billing class and that comes with 34 pieces of materials, a lot of the same materials that I disseminate uh, live. It's a general course and it covers everything. It's 13 hours. It's it's me talking yeah. for 13 hours. So some, <laughs> pe- so some people just don't even want to hear my voice after that. Other people, they, I've had people say, oh, it's like crack. It <laughs> so is. I don't, I don't, depends on, you know, your frame of reference, but nobody will, nobody will ever say I left any part of information out because I no. don't want to do that. You and know. then I have a, I have a documentation, an examination and bulletproof documentation class. It's much shorter and it builds on the materials. Those are the two webinars that I have. Um, so yeah. before, cause we're, wow, this, this was a great solid hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we kind of need to start closing down, but I, I had a, a, another question just because of COVID. So has anything changed that need, we need to be aware of or that maybe you can kind of see coming down the pipe because of COVID and maybe even including telehealth or anything that we need to be aware of? Yeah. Well, in some states, they had to work very hard to be able to even treat people virtually Telehealth, people just assumed everything was going to telehealth. And while it has, acupuncturists have, you know, you can't do acupuncture telehealth. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. But there are opportunities to do your intakes virtual mm-hmm. and some insurance carriers are paying. And we're going to see more and more of that. If a person doesn't need to be in the office and can do an intake appointment, online they're going insurance carriers are going to encourage that a big part of what cms medicare is doing right now is opening up for more and more telehealth because it's just so much easier to accommodate many more people that's one thing they recently came out with a code i don't have it off the top of my head cuz literally it just came out like september 15th that you could bill and it covers it's supposed to it's a code that covers the supplies associated with COVID uh, protocols. So the time it takes to take a person's temperature, clean the room before the next person, the cost associated with cleaning supplies and masks and things like that, that's supposed to be covered under that code. So Um, that's why, that's why I saw some of that on Facebook. Are you guys charging your patients for the time? And I'm like, that just sounds like a really stupid idea. Like charge your patients for the time it takes you to clean your office. Mm. Well, there's people that are desperate. I mean, their incomes have been drastically reduced. Well, you know, so, but, and and if there is a code that you could bill insurance, might as well try. But then, but then again, if you understand coding, this code happens so fast Hmm. that you couldn't bill it out. You couldn't even get it through to the insurance companies because nobody... You, you, you try to do it electronically and it would stop at the clearinghouse. Most people use Office Ally because Office mm-hmm. Ally had it updated their database to reflect the code. So then people are going, it's not a good code. It's not a good code. Mm. No, it's a good code. It's just going to take a while for it to Sorry. be adopted by the powers that be. And every day we would call. It's, it has since been adopted. Uh, 9072. 99072 is the code. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. West. Uh, Very good. So so now will they pay it? I don't know, but you should try. You should bill it. If, you should I mean, bill it heck. and see it see if they will pay it. Will they retroactive 
it no 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 i can do that they're not gonna they're thinking when you get a do code, you know the amount Corey? do you know the amount we no it's too new i haven't we haven't seen any okay. reimbursement i okay. the, the amount to charge i mean you be realistic what would it what is would it cost 10 to 20 bucks maybe i'd throw it out there kind of think about how long it takes what your time's worth who's doing the the work yeah. and then and then th- then yes add it to the, your codes and there's no modifiers required uh and see if it could if it gets picked up that can i ask you my- a quick question this is a sure. little bit off the topic as well but i do understand that like because of the opioid crisis that mindfulness is uh up and coming i know that i've i've heard of pts doing mindfulness training sure this is well within our scope better oh, than yeah. i'm sorry i'm not going to say better than anybody else but this is something that we actually train in right this like, is up your alley yeah, uh, yeah. so yes. what does that look like are they actually do they have billing codes that they can charge meditation <laughs> well they're getting them in fact, I, when I was at, like I told you, I represented ASA at all mm-hmm. the code meetings. VA was very much, VA yeah. is the cutting edge for this. So they have wellness coaching. They have Tai Chi. They have mindful meditation. Uh, another type this of- This is all ours. Too. Yes, it's all it's all yours. You guys own it all. And, so how and, are we going to get a little bit of that? Well, how you, well, the codes have not been adopted yet. Some were mm. rejected others were accepted so so as it gets more and more accepted right now they're they use the codes for reporting they're doing it right now in the va but they're not outsourcing it to outside people they're not outside the va proper (laughs) so it's more of they were using it for reporting purposes but it's on the forefront and you're you're gonna have opportunities right Mm -hmm. now Right now, they're using a company that kind of credentials you in in various parts of it, and I can I can let me write that down. I can share that with you, the credentialing party. But even if you were credentialed, you're not necessarily going to be at this point. They're not outsourcing a lot of this stuff to community providers, but you want to stay on top of it because I have a feeling that the need for it is much greater, and that eventually well, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's that's definitely coming. See, it's all part of what's coming, which is people need to take care of their own healthcare needs. In in this in the way that our medicine is set up, it's going to be and I can tell you this is coming too. If you don't follow the advice of your healthcare provider, your insurance may decline to continue to pay for you. Like if you've been told, you know what? You're pre-diabetic, and unless you lose weight and stop smoking and start eating better, and you're and you become a full-blown diabetic, you know, insurance companies may say we're not going to cover that because you didn't, you weren't actively involved in your own healthcare. And I'm just saying this because this is already happening in England, in the UK. This is scary. It's scary, but should should we should my insurance be paying for someone else? who doesn't want to take responsibility for their own health care. I mean, it, at the end of the day, I mean, it's a, it's a slippery slope, but make no mistake. The other thing that they're doing is they're doing what's called episodic care, which is they'll take a person and they'll say, you know what, this person has, well, they're doing it right now. This person has chronic low back pain. You can get, you have to get a better in 20 visits. We're only going to pay for 20 visits. And they, that will continue to be the norm. And in fact, they're, they will define certain certain conditions as requiring a certain amount of health care. And that's already happening. That's already happening in the United States. I just did a conference with a woman that explained it. Um, so 
those types of things are coming out. But that's also opportunities for you guys for the mindful meditation to help help patients with their own healthcare needs. I mean, you you know your patients, the patients that are diligent about taking their herbs get better responses than the ones that say, oh, they taste bad. I'm not going to do it. Or if you you tell them lifestyle changes, to me, I feel like even right now, it's important that you convey to your patients, I've created a treatment plan for you and you're going to need to follow it. Instead, what a lot of I see a lot of practitioners do is they let the patient drive the bus. You're the healthcare practitioner. You need to say, I need you to come in two times a week for at least the first two or three weeks so we could get some momentum on this condition. And then after that, if you want to come in once a week, we can do that. But to, And you should release patients if they don't follow your, your protocol because they're not going to get better. And if they don't get better, the insurance company might decline to pay you. So you have to tell those patients, you know what, you could, if you want to come every other week, you can, but if your insurance decides that it's not medically necessary because we're not getting the improvement that they expect to see, you can still do that as a cash patient. And right. then a lot of times they'll go, oh, okay, I need to be responsible for this and take part in it. So that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about. And I think you can use it to your advantage because you and I both know more treatment in a closer range. The same, tw- and I teach this in my class, the same 20 visits every two weeks for 20 visits versus three times a week down to two times a week, down to once a week, down to every other week. Which one looks like maintenance and which one looks like improvement? That's just right. data alone. Mm-hmm. When you get them in closer and then you spread them out, that's that's a treatment plan that makes sense. But when you when the patient drives it because it's more convenient for them, and I mean I understand it, but at least try to make an effort to explain to them the rationale. Between we're not trying to inconvenience you, we're trying to have you help you prioritize your health care um, and get your insurance to continue to pay. So. Yeah, yeah, great. So winding down, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the new practitioners or any of the practitioners before we go ahead and close down? Gosh, we've shared so much. I I would just say that this is a unique time and things are changing dramatically. If, if I had no idea that Medicare would come out the way it did and, Mm -hmm. and, and so you need to kind of keep the pulse because there are other professions that would love to offer your medicine. And so you need to just kind of be aware of it. And, and I know you guys coming out of school, a lot of times you don't have a lot of money. So I'm not saying you have to make big donations. I always say in the beginning, when you have more time than money, donate some of your time, get involved with your state association. It's for your benefit. I, every time I've been involved in any association, the benefits I got back from my volunteering far exceeded the time that I spent. So I would say, see if, if you have more time, the money volunteer, and then get yourself busy and then maybe donate and that type of thing. I know that all state associations are looking for volunteers. And this is a great way to meet successful acupuncturists, stay on the cutting edge of what's happening into your profession because things are changing dramatically. And also to uh, 
help mm -hmm. make a change in your particular situation. I mean, I know that there are certain states have different scopes than other states do. Some states can do laser, some states can't. Some states can do injection, other states can't. If you're in a state that can't, volunteer to help promote increasing your scope of practice. That would be my my parting words. Thank you so much for coming on, Maury. You are just such a huge wealth of information. And I am so grateful for you for being such a big part of helping us continue and yeah. grow and, and cultivate our place in medicine as well in the United yeah. States. Yeah, yeah. You're, you aren't going away and the carriers are looking at you. So this is a wonderful oh, yeah. opportunity. It's a wonderful oh, yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Maury. Sure. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. That concludes today's episodes. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Take care, you guys. And I look forward to chatting with you again next week. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.